0: So, the title of the message that we probably won't get all the way through is Jesus. (laughs) Come on, somebody, the all sufficient. Someone say, the all sufficient. Totally supreme. No, that's not pizza. (laughs) Infinitely wise. I just ran out of words. So, Savior, King, Ruler, Lord of all creation. That's the book of Colossians in a slide. How many had a chance to soap, to do a journal entry, to read Colossians? Let me see those hands. Lolly, that was our challenge last week, to audio Bible, to listen. To just—I wanted. The, there's already a hunger in the Spirit. People coming with the Word burning on the inside already. This is Jesus. And we live, we live in a day where the Bible says that there is coming a day, and we are already in those days. We've been in those days for 2,000 years when the first letters of the Bible were written in the New Testament. There is coming a day when people will not want to hear the good news about what, who Jesus is. There is coming a day, 2 Timothy 4, 1-6, when people will not want to be confronted with the reality that Jesus is Lord. There's coming a day, and yea, we are in that day where many, many people will say, stop confronting us with the truth of Jesus. We want to invent our own truth. How many know we live in that day? And so the, the solution for the church is not to try to get more clever or to edit the message The solution for the church is to double down and say, we're sorry for saying we were about Jesus, but our lives bore witness to a bunch of other things, to come into alignment and to agreement with Jesus and his kingdom so that we can be that light-emanating, salty community that's meant to bring restoration to the world instead of being all those people who claim Jesus. It's time for the church. Colossians is a, a letter written to a church surrounded by philosophies and opinions and ideologies and half-truths and mystical and just this hodgepodge of religiosity, this poly, you know, theistic. In, in, in the middle of that, how many know, in the midst of this storm of culture, God is building a people that look like Jesus. Right in the middle of it. Let's read this together. This is like probably the best scripture in the, almost the whole Bible. I can't think of anything better. Out loud, together. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him, and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. That's not bad. (laughs) Who's this all about again? Okay, this gets better. And He, read with me, He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in Come on, so that in he might have the supremacy for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. And through him, who's the him? Jesus, to reconcile to himself all things. Whether things on earth or things in heaven by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Yeah. That's like his intro. (laughs) Jesus, we pray right now for a spirit of revelation, like an arrow, to hit our hearts and our minds. Jesus, we pray, save us from a lecture. Bring us into an encounter that causes us to walk, to live, to love, to serve, to give differently. I pray, God, that you would mark our hearts with the reality of Jesus. That we would become like this one, in whom, through whom, for whom, and all of him, him. It's all about you, Jesus. We exalt you in this place. Amen. So Paul, the the, the missionary, uh, writing this letter, one of the greatest pieces of literature in history, he's in prison. How many know Revelation is not dependent upon your current circumstance or situation? come on somebody, you can be going through the valley of the shadow and get a revelation of the sun. That's a good word right there. Because how many know God is always interested in one thing? Revealing Jesus to his people. He's, and you know what he's doing? He's revealing Jesus to his people so that his people can be formed in the one he's revealing them to so that when the world looks at us, they see him, not us. Jesus. And, and Paul knows that how many know when you add, when you say Jesus isn't sufficient, or you subtract, you say, I don't want all that Jesus said, did, or taught. How many know when you either add to Jesus or subtract from Jesus, you lose the whole thing? Because how many know this passage, how many all's were there in this opening poem? I can't subtract or add to the one in whom, through whom, for whom, all things already exist. Come on, someone say, I can't add to him, and I can't subtract to him. And so here's what happens to us, and we're faced with this in the church. Oh my goodness, this is relevant for today. It's not just some random letter to this small, obscure church in modern-day Turkey 2,000 years ago. How many know Colossians has a word to speak to us today in 2019? Look what Paul says. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow, someone say hollow, and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. Is there a more poignant verse that describes our cultural moment than this verse? How many know that the enemy is taking many, many captive, even many of those in the church, because we didn't think Jesus were sufficient. We weren't established in the truth of the gospel enough. So when we hear something that tickles our ears, when we hear something that takes the edge off of the cross, the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus... When we hear someone take you know, the political correct road of he's not really calling us to repentance, he's not really calling us to declare war on darkness and the sin in our life and to walk in righteousness, when we hear that word, it sounds good to our natural fleshly ear. The only problem is when we buy into that voice, we're taken captive to a hall of philosophy. And he says, see to it. How many know we, we have to be diligent over that which we allow in here and in here because the ways of the enemy are not just, hey, believe a bunch of lies. He's deceptive. Someone say he's deceptive. It comes. It sounds wise. Come on, somebody. It sounds wise. It seeps in through the cracks of our reasoning and our conscience. But how many know that there is one who in whom all of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden? Colossians 2-3. They are hidden and revealed in Jesus Christ and Him alone. He is the fountain of wisdom, insight, and in revelation. Everyone say Jesus. And I love it. I was, you know, show me the money. Come on, someone say it. Show me the money. Everyone knows this. And I was researching it and thinking about it, that, that, that in order to discern whether a dollar bill is legitimate or counterfeit, how many know the FBI does not look at the infinite amounts of counterfeits because there's always a new counterfeit hitting the market? I was just reading an article this morning. They only study the real and the genuine because the more they get that in their spirit and their mindset, the more the second they touch something that is fake or see something that is counterfeit. So how many know the church's posture in this hour is not one when we're scared because the devil's winning and he's influencing courts and decisions in our nation or in our city. It's not to cower and to say, oh, how, I don't want to be fearful of his deception. The, the, the call of the church in 2019 is to look to the genuine Jesus Christ, to begin to discern who he is, what he's done, what his intentions are for humanity, where he's taking all of creation. Did you know Jesus is the Lord over history? He's the Lord of creation. And so I don't go and get spun out by this news cycle or this article. Or How many know God is calling the church in 2019 and the church of all of the ages to just gaze at Jesus, to look to Jesus, to cling to Jesus, to abide and commune and have fellowship with Jesus? And out of that place, that which is ingenuine will be spotted immediately. That's good preaching. I love it. They have a they, they have this process. This will preach right here. It's called touch, tilt, look at, and look through. Cause how many know it's not enough to just get one glance at Jesus and to be done with it? Come on, somebody. It's not enough to pray some prayer at the end of some service twenty five years ago and to never take a look or a feel or a listen or a clinging to and abiding in Jesus. Did you know he wants to be pursued? He wants to be loved. He wants to be abided in. He wants to be in a moment-by-moment relationship reality with all of his people. And so it's this process where they look at it, these, these dollar bills. They touch it. They tilt it. They look at it. And then they look through it. And this hymn that we just read all together, Colossians 1, 15, 20, has all of those there. Let's look at Jesus. To refute the heresies that the church in Colossae was facing and to refute the deceptive philosophies of our day is to get a greater vision of who Jesus is and what he's done. It's not to go on hunts. How many know there's rabbit trails that will take you and derail you and you'll be known for more than what you stand against than the one you stand for? Come on, somebody. He is compelling enough. to refute their heresies and to refute ours, the answer is to look again to Jesus. To be apprehended by Jesus. One of the things we've been in this 21-day fast, and myself and the team, and I know many here, I've been getting Facebook, some emails. How many are just experiencing that just new realms of devotion to Jesus? I've been asking every week, these three weeks, many, many people are saying, gosh, I'm, this is really exciting. Did you know this could be our new normal? <laughs> Hold on. Is this thing working? I got three people excited. Like, like, did you know we could actually always be a church that is devoted to the presence and person of Jesus in his kingdom? Like, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be a, a, a glitch. Like, whoa, what they do pursuing me like this for 21 days? Like, we can do it all the time. Did you know that there is nothing that moves my heart more as a dad? Of four r- little rugrats. Angels. <laughs> you obviously weren't there for bath time last night, but it's all good. <laughs> Not to correct you, whoever said that, but, but to correct you. <laughs> My favorite thing is unsolicited affection. I mean, I still, I, I take Benjamin's binky out, and I say, after we pray, and I just love on him, I say, say, love you, Daddy. Love you, Daddy. Love you, Jesus. In that order. Lo- just kidding. Love you, Jesus. <laughs> Dude, I should probably switch that order now that I say it to the whole church. <laughs> but how many know when, when they grow up? They don't have to follow daddy's prompts when they grow up with revelation that their father is for them and would do anything to die for them, to, to provide for them. That when they get Caleb's age and Mackenzie's age, they come out of bed with, and I love you, daddy, with the kiss, with affection, with the pursuit of relationship. And did you know that's God's heart for you and for me to him? We would live out of that place of Devotion. Oh, this is so funny. I'm on page 1.5, and I had 10 pages of notes. This is going to be a sermon series. I'm just going to call it right now. (laughs) Maybe I'll do like a Colossians conference where you can come and we can spend. I'm not joking, and I'm not sidestepping this word. This word is going to be preached, probably maybe even a book someday. I'll just declare it, training seminar. So we'll just get through a few of these. Is that okay? Everyone say, just get through a few of them. Yeah. Hey, hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. So how do we become a people? Because how many know when you're in, when you're in a, when you're a situation, a tragedy, there is a trigger response because God has put eternity in the hearts of humanity that even people who don't even believe in God, when tragedy strikes, they pray. Are you tracking with me? Like There, there is a trigger response to look up and to look out when you're going through it. Just period. Period. But did you know that that trigger response and tragedy, he actually wants to be our normal mode of operation. Where I just live looking at Jesus. I live where it's not just when the, the, you know, the cows aren't coming home. I don't even know what that metaphor is supposed to mean, so just leave it out there, <laughs> over there. <laughs> cows are out there. But he wants us to live a lifestyle of fascination of Jesus. And when I argued with my emails to the church, and you're like, dude, get me on that list. Sign out, you know, get the Connect card, you can screenshot your bulletin. And and my point for this message, and really this, this whole teaching, and series of teachings, is that you don't have to look far or discern, how do I look to him? You're able to just look at the word, especially this book that just magnifies who Jesus is, what he's doing, what he's done. How many know we're pretty stinking blessed? You know, my favorite stories that just, we have Brother Yun's story, the the heavenly man out there, uh, one of the founding missionaries of the underground church in China, and one of the stories that just wrecked my heart is is God started appearing to him first in, in dreams, and and then God showed him that there was going to be someone who was going to deliver a book to his house, and that book was going to change his life. You just go read the book. I just could, it's an amazing story, a missionary explosion of the gospel in China. But what I'm marked by when I read stories of the underground persecuted church is when one of them has an experience where they get to, to receive and to behold and to read the Bible, it's like the biggest miracle to them in history. And he tells the story you know, where he got it and then he just memorized the whole book of Matthew. Not a bad day. For those of you who know your Bible, 28 chapters is how many chapters are in Matthew. And how, when he was in prison for his faith, that somehow people would smuggle excerpts of scripture in behind the curtain, behind the doors, and the prisoners would look at it and they would literally eat it. And I'm telling you, beloved, Open the book and then let the book open you and transform your life. That's what we've been talking about all year. We, we've got to become a people that know God as he's revealed in the scriptures. That It's just before us. We've got apps. We've got websites. We've got it. Okay. So let's look at Jesus. What the letter of Colossians gives us is a pair of glasses. That if we look through them, we get a breathtaking vision of Christ. So what has Christ done? Only going to get through a couple. He has, helped me out, rescued us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the, the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. How many know that God and Christ has provided a way of escape to live under the tyranny of darkness, of sin and shame and condemnation. How many would say hallelujah to that great news? Rescued carries the idea that when God sent Jesus and he lived a life we could not live, he died the death we deserved so that we could be recipients of his rescue plan. That when God did that, he rescued us from the ownership and power that Satan possessed over our lives. Did you know that people are in one of two categories? Politically incorrect, not. We are either under the ownership of the enemy or under the ownership of the Lord Jesus Christ. I, there's too many verses I could spout off. I'm not going to do it. Read John chapter 8. Read 1 John chapter 5. Read Romans 6. And what the Bible says is that what God has done by sending Jesus is that through his life and his death and his resurrection, those who put their faith in Christ, we are literally transferred from one dominion and kingdom into another. Come on, someone say, he rescues us. He rescues us from our life characterized by sin and by corruption and deceit. And even though we were legally under the ownership of the enemy, because we sought to seek our own kingdoms, our own wills and agenda, that when we repent, which really means to change kings, we change owners and we come up under the ownership of someone else. And the Bible says just very pointedly, Jesus, unless you want to pick a fight with him, that's fine. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, before you wig out on me and say, but I sin occasionally and I'm not perfect. This is talking about someone whose overarching demeanor and posture and the aim and ambition of their life is away from God. Everyone say amen if you understand what I'm saying. This is not someone who's seeking to be a disciple, to be formed in the image of Christ. This is someone who is at odds with God, living in perpetual rebellion. And the Bible says when that is your lifestyle, you are not just making choices on your own. You're actually under the dominion, the authority, the ownership of someone else that the Bible calls the Satan, the accuser. This is true of people whose life is characterized by sin, not people who are seeking first kingdom and righteousness. And if they blow it, they're the first ones to repent and get back in the light. Someone say amen. Christ rescues us from the dominion, the power of Satan's kingdom. Look at this. And then he transfers us into the kingdom of his son. Now, what is this idea of kingdom? The idea of kingdom is royal authority to exercise dominion over a region or a person. And when you and I look to Jesus in faith, we push out the deceptive philosophies and human traditions and things that sound wise in our own natural minds, and we come into agreement with Jesus. The Bible says we are literally transferred from one owner to another. Come on, someone, this ought to make you happy this morning. Come on, someone say, in Christ, I am rescued. In Christ, I have been transferred. I have a new master and a new Lord. And his leadership leads to life, not shame, darkness, and death. The Bible calls it rescue. This is not a bad day at church to be rescued by Jesus. It goes on. In Christ, we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Redemption carries the idea that the debt we incurred because of our sinfulness, which how many know the Bible says in James 2 that if you break one part of God's righteous law, it's like breaking all of it. So you're in good company of lawbreakers. But there was one who never bowed once to disobedience and rebellion named Jesus. The only innocent one took all of our legal indebtedness and put it on himself so that we could be redeemed. Our life could be bought from the tyranny of Satan and the consequences our action deserved. His blood was the price to redeem us and to say, no, they are not Satan's. And no, their end is not death and eternity separated from God. Their end is life in my spirit, forgiveness of sins in my kingdom. Redemption is to be paid in full. And I love this. This is one commentator said this. In addition to, look at this, permanently, someone say that permanently, setting us free from Satan's hold, which would be good. But how many know he doesn't just set us free? He also restores us to the position of sons and daughters of God. And now we are being restored and made literal joint heirs with Jesus Christ and his kingdom. No one can redeem the life of another, the Bible says. No one. Or give to God a ransom for their life. Because the ransom for our life is costly. And man, have you ever experienced this in your own life? No payment is ever enough. Has anyone out there ever tried to save themselves or clean up their own mess? Am I the only one? So does that part of verse 8, it's never enough. Come on, someone say it's never enough. I am not a sufficient savior. (laughs) So that they should live on forever and not see decay. So the psalmist has this vision, this idea that whenever we try, It's never enough. How many know we need help from above? We need to be rescued and redeemed. And so, only in Christ has the price been paid. And then the same dude who wrote this letter said this. Read it with me. You're not your own. You are bought at a price. How many need to be reminded you're not your own. You've been bought. (laughs) I belong to Jesus. Last one. How many know we could stop there and be happy? We've been rescued. If you're in Christ, he is rescued. You are not You are no longer, you no longer belong to the dominion of darkness. You are in the kingdom of his son. If you're in Christ today, you don't have to pay for yourself or clean up your own mess. God in Christ has redeemed your life. He wants, he's rescued you and now he wants to establish and restore you so that you'll look like him. Love like him, serve like him. And then the Bible goes on. And this is the last R We'll, we'll hit on. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in Christ. And through Christ, him, to reconcile to himself, how many things? All things. Whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. I'll go forward. Hold on. Once you were, read it with me, alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Read it with me. But now. He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. And we all said, Amen. Amen. So in Christ, this is just chapter one, mind you. We've been redeemed. We've been rescued, and we've been reconciled. Someone say, I've been reconciled. Now, why did we need to be reconciled? Someone help me out. What does reconcile mean? Make clean again. What else? We got redeemed. What does it mean? Reconcile. Relationship. I like that one. Restore. Great. I like that. To bring into agreement. Someone studied. The Bible says that in our sin, we're not just in our sin, that when we're under the possession of the enemy, we're actually not just lost, we are actually at odds and at enmity or enemies from, to God. How many are seeing that manifest in our culture? People aren't just randomly choosing ideologies for philosophies. If you are not in Christ, you are at enmity against God. Alienated carries the idea, remember it says you were alienated in verse 20, 21. The idea that through our sin and the choice of our self-governing propensities to be our own God. Let me put it in normal language, sorry. Nerd alert. That in our self-kingdom, we are literally exiled to another country from God. The only way back to God is if God comes to us. That's how broken we are in our sin apart from Jesus. People don't decide to come to God. God comes to them in Jesus. I don't, this is why flipping, flippantly, you know, allowing, you know, compromise in your life is so darn deadly. You don't pick when to go to God, He comes to you. You respond to His enabling presence. That's good theology. So, alienated, this picture, who we were apart from Jesus. We were on another country that was no bridge or crossing mechanism to get from our foreign, foreigner exile, alienated state back into friendly relationships with God. We were helpless and hopeless, the Bible calls us. The good news of the gospel. Listen, we became, because of our sin, we became foreigners in a land that was originally given us to govern and to rule with God. Do you see what sin did? What was the original arrangement between God and humanity? Cool of the day fellowship. Hanging out, no separation. Oh, hey God, what's up? It's our 3 p.m. walk. No separation. The beauty, the splendor, the radiance, the glory, the holiness of God, and the reality of humanity completely at unity and harmony. We became foreigners in a land that was given us as home. We were on the outside looking in. This obviously grew to us becoming enemies of God. How many know it is not hard to see God hatred manifest and rampant today? You ever seen, you know talking about? I'm not stirring up anger towards, I don't want you to be angry towards them. I want you to pray for people who hate. But I'm just telling you, these are spiritual principles. They're not going to be humanly solved apart from the end breaking of God's kingdom in Christ. Are you hearing me? Our only hope is for God to show mercy. So out of this alienation, became, we became enemies. We're seeing this. The, the, the vile, the hatred, the, the white spit growing at the corner of your mouth when you get angry. Anyone? Am I talk, am I, I'm, I'm the only spitter. <laughs> Alienated from God, at odds, enemies, but it goes on. We hated Him. We despised His leadership and His wisdom. Because of our own desire to name good and evil. According to our own standards and for our own benefit and advantage. Of course, many of you are like, Chad, a bit much. People don't really hate God. It may not be an overt manifestation, but by our lifestyle, we are producing fruit apart from Christ. A life that is directly at odds with his vision for life. But now. Come on, someone. Now the but now is a lot cooler. (laughs) Right? Come on. If I was alienated, estranged, at enmity, in a land once called home, now called exile, with no hope to get from one condition in place to the other apart from help. But now, he has reconciled us to God through Christ. To restore To harmonious relationship. When we sinned, creation grew thorns and humanity grew horns. So I thought that was a good one-liner. As I was writing and thinking about the message, I was like, that's kind of clever. But only in Christ are we brought from the place of alienation, exile, enmity and hatred back into friendship with God. Oh my goodness, this is the good news of the gospel. Jesus said it like this. This is why Jesus came, by the way, to reconcile us. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, what? I've called you friends. (laughs) For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. We are brought into friendship with God through the cross of Jesus Christ. And I'm of the humble opinion, I all caps it, that nothing is better than this, beloved. To be called a friend of God is really good news. So the question is it's a great place to stop. How do we experience this rescue? How do we live and experience this redemption? How do we experience being brought out of our isolation, our shame, our exile, our alienation, our, the space between us and God? How is the gap of our sin, of our rebellion, how do we get from one space to the other? The Bible simply calls it to receive Christ Jesus as Lord. How many know we could never get to God in our own effort through our own means and resources, but God in Christ has come to us. And the announcement, I've given you three small dynamics of the gospel, but the announcement of the gospel is an invitation to respond with a yes so that you can experience God's best for your life revealed through Jesus Christ. To receive. Stand up on your feet with me. That was part one of three, Colossians. But before we go, lock the doors, ushers. I'm just kidding. (laughs) So Pastor Ron used to stay. Shout out, Pastor Ron. Man, if you're here and you are tired of being under the ownership of the enemy, you're like, dude, people who say, you know, freedom, do whatever you want. How many know that lifestyle is anything but free? I know, I've drank from that well. It's bitter, sweet for a moment, bitter in the end. If you need Jesus to rescue you, From the dominion, the tyranny of darkness, and to restore you into the likeness of his son. He can this morning. Come on, do I got anybody who believes in the power of the gospel? If you're here today and you've tried to get yourself out of your prison, in other words, you've tried to redeem yourself, but you need to receive by faith that the cost Jesus paid on the cross was enough for your redemption. You can this morning. And maybe you're here today and the last thing you would ever think about would be to call God your friend. Because of your self-talk, your shame, your doubt, your shadows. I want you to know that the gap has been crossed through the cross of Jesus. That you can literally be made a friend. Receive him as Lord. So right here and right now. If that's in your heart. Just say Jesus. I, I receive you as Lord today. There's no magic formula. like It's bowing your heart. To him as Lord and Savior. And saying come Jesus save my life, rescue me, redeem me, and reconcile me to you. I want to be your friend. I don't want to live under the deceptive philosophies of opinions of culture and half-truths and lies and shadows. I want to be transformed by the truth of Jesus. If that's in your heart today, just specifically, would you just lift a hand, everyone else's eyes closed, That's in your heart. It's awesome. Praise God. Thank you, Lord, for these raised hands. Beloved, God has already come to us in Jesus. And he's moving by the Spirit right now. So just say yes. Yes, Jesus. Be Lord. Be King. Be Master. And then we'll pick up. that the whole Christian life is really summarized in this. Can you open your eyes and read this with me and this will be our close. First of all, can we give a holler for those who maybe received Jesus for the first time? <laughs> awesome. But this is, I'm sorry, I mean, I've read the Bible. Many of you have too. This is, this is your and I's calling card. Just as you Received Christ Jesus as Lord. What does it say? Continue to live your lives in Him. Rooted, built up, established as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. How many would say, I want to continue to live. I want to be rooted, built up, established, (laughs) overflowing with thanksgiving. So Lord, as we go, just receive this blessing. Put your hands out, and then we'll have the ministry team come up and We'll play a song, but you can be dismissed and get where you need to go. Lord, I pray that our church this week would continue to live. <laughs> Come on, somebody. That we would that our whole lifestyle would be transformed by Jesus and his kingdom. God, I pray for a rooting, a building up, an establishment, and then an overflowing with thankfulness. God, write your word on the parchment of our hearts. Send us in the power of your love to now, Lord, be formed in the image of Christ so that we can mediate the image of Christ to those around us. Like the song said, lead us in your love. Say that, lead me in your love, Jesus, to those around me this week that so desperately need to know that they too can be a friend of God. (laughs) They can be restored and rescued just like you. So God, mark our lives with thankfulness because all of this was your idea. We're the recipients of this great life and gift. Send us now in the power and the presence of the Spirit and the love and the likeness of Jesus and in the tenderness and compassion of the Father. In Jesus' name, we all said amen. Amen. Amen.